Early one afternoon last March, I was driving down a narrow, winding road in the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. It was snowing pretty hard. There was a stiff wind and a lot of slush on the road. But I wasn't worried. Our truck had four-wheel drive. I liked that little truck. Chevy Colorado, leather seats, sport package. But as I approached a curve, suddenly an old Hyundai came sliding into view around the corner from the other direction. Way too fast. His back end flew out over the shoulder. But somehow the young driver pulled it back. Then it slung across to the other side of the road and came fishtailing straight toward me. I took my foot off the gas, but I didn't dare stomp on the brakes. I was afraid of going sideways myself. I couldn't stop. I couldn't turn. I couldn't believe it. I was thinking, oh man, here it comes. Yeah, head-on collision. I went from about 35 miles an hour to a dead stop. The impact slammed my truck sideways into the ditch, completely crushed my front end. His car was a mangled mess on the road. But a few minutes later, we both climbed out, basically unhurt. My neck was a bit stiff for a few days, and that was it. I became a big believer in airbags. The high school kid who hit me now mows my lawn. Some problems sneak up on you. Suddenly, pow, you're on your back. No idea what happened. But other problems you can see coming from a long way off. They come rushing up faster and faster. You desperately want to get out of the way. But you can't. The emotions, you know, of the moment um, just kind of overwhelm you. You're just kind of along for the ride. This is James Bush. In 1999, he was a cadet at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. He, too, found himself in a situation where he could just see it coming. And there was nothing he could do about it. Definitely just sheer, sheer terror, knowing the impending catastrophe that's about to happen. I'm Les Sillers, and this is Double Tape. Bush's story is the second in our series of single takes. Shorter stories told by just one person. Abby Churchill will take it from here. April 12th was a crisp day in the Colorado mountains. James Bush headed down to the airfield at 5 a.m. for a nice Saturday morning of practice jumps. The, uh, the parachute team is definitely one of those institutions at the academy that's pretty highly, highly respected. We uh, competed in parachute competitions and, and uh, did demonstrations, jumped into football games and air shows and NASCAR races and stuff like that. Uh, we're getting ready for uh, a big competition over in Europe, actually. So we're going to do some, some practice formation skydiving. Life is good. There's a competition in Spain to look forward to. Then graduating and getting commissioned into the Air Force. Then marrying his high school sweetheart, Anella. He's president of his class, a natural leader, a seasoned skydiver. You know, it's not a comfortable thing at all to jump out of an airplane. But over, over time, you know, 600 plus jumps, to be honest, it becomes very routine. To hang outside of an airplane and jump and to do crazy stuff in the air, it just becomes a normal part of your life. The downside? It can be hard to find adrenaline rushes and enjoyments. I remember going to like theme parks during those days and, and going on roller coasters and everyone screaming their head off. And I'm like, what is the big deal? This is so boring and lame. <laughs> but he's not at a theme park today. He's on a military airplane, about to make a training jump with his partner. 
6,000 feet above the Air Force Academy. And so me and my buddy, uh, Matt Phillips, we jump out. We make our, our plan formation. So we're in free fall for, you know, uh, 10 or 15 seconds before we, we track away and uh, deploy our parachutes. So pretty routine and pretty, pretty easy in terms of level of difficulty. So my stress level was, was definitely, definitely low. Routine, nothing to worry about. But then his main parachute doesn't open. He looks up. So we have a small uh, handheld drogue chute that, that we throw into the wind, and that's what creates the drag to pull out the, the main parachute. So the drogue chute was deployed, but it was tied in a knot, and uh, it, w- it was uh, thus not creating enough drag to deploy the main parachute. There's no need to panic. Bush knows what to do. He pulls the breakaway handle that should disconnect his main parachute from his pack. Then he deploys his reserve. Reserves are designed to spring open forcefully in case you're close to the ground. That is not what occurred. It was a very slow opening. In the meantime, I'm getting closer and closer and closer to the ground, obviously, as all this is going on. I look up and I have um, my main has failed to break away and it's wrapped around my reserve. And uh, so initially the reserve was more or less open. And then very quickly, my main kind of loops around it and collapses the reserve parachute. And I go into just kind of a spiraling dive. He sounds pretty matter of fact about it now, but you have to put yourself in his jumpsuit. You just jumped out of a plane well over a mile above the ground. Now you're falling. Neither of your parachutes are working and you're watching the ground rush up faster and faster. It was truly the most terrifying point of my life as I approached the ground at that speed, knowing that, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be bad. And then it gets worse. I'm going to land and I realize I'm right over the top of the, uh, the big four lane highway um, that leads into the Air Force Academy. And it's, it's a busy Saturday morning as everyone's, you know, leaving base and I'm just seeing cars, you know, go underneath my feet. Now he has another collision to worry about. He's about to have one shattering impact. But even if by some miracle he survives that, he's likely to be run over by a car going 55 miles an hour. So I had, I had about enough time to, to um, take one more look up above to see if there's anything I could do to improve the situation with the canopy. And it was very obvious that it was just kind of a tangled mass of, of canopy and lines, and there wasn't going to be time to really troubleshoot that any further. Bush isn't the only one who sees the problem coming. As he falls that last several hundred feet, a weatherman driving into work on the base sees him plummeting out of the sky. He realizes Bush is going to hit the road right in front of him, so he slams on the brakes. He skidded his car to block traffic, um, you know, like James Bond style, you know, slid his car sideways to block both lanes of traffic. Bush keeps falling could see now the ground as I got closer kind of starting to rush up and I knew that I was going to hit the ground you know really really hard so I just I kind of had a moment to whisper a little prayer in a very panicked voice dear God please help me and then I hit the ground skydivers are taught how to land when your chute fails You tuck your arms over your chest, lock your legs together, and bend your knees. The idea is to land on the side of your foot and turn yourself into a massive rocker. That's the theory, at least. It works. 
Bush hits the ground, and his body rocks sideways so hard that he actually pops a few feet back up into the air, then lands on the pavement, just missing that car, screeching to a stop. And I landed 10 feet, maybe, in front of his uh, front bumper. You know, there's just a moment where I was completely stunned. And then as you kind of come to or, you know, as your senses kind of like slowly, slowly come back, you know, there was definitely amazement like, wow, I, I'm still alive. This is unbelievable. I can't believe that I'm still alive. And I remember kind of in my subconscious just hearing, um, you know, screeching tires in the background and thinking to myself that I've got to get myself out of the out of the road as quickly as possible. But I was I was totally incapable of moving. So I had like a kind of a ringing in my ears and and I don't believe I ever fully lost consciousness. But, you know, now I'm just kind of laying in the road uh, on my side, looking and trying with all my might to move and finding that I can't move anything. You know, pretty traumatic for him and the other cars uh, to see this whole thing transpire because they said I bounced about, you know, about four to five feet off of the asphalt. The minutes went by, I could start to kind of move my fingers and, and toes and, and uh, my mobility uh, kind of came back. So uh, I think just kind of the initial shock of hitting the ground, you know, that hard was just my, my whole nervous system was, was kind of in revolt. Like, what have you done to me? An ambulance arrives. The EMT strap him to a board. Took me straight downtown to the big downtown Colorado Springs uh, hospital emergency rooms. The fastest ride across town uh, I've ever had. Obviously, lights and sirens are blazing. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool way to get across town. The hospital did x-rays and CAT scans, trying to figure out how bad the damage was. Bush lay on his back for hours, waiting to hear the news. There's obviously a lot of thoughts going through your head on on what the future is going to be when you're when you're laying there. You know, it's just all of a sudden all the all the things that seem very firm and you know deliberate in your life are all all of a sudden up in the air, so to speak. His wedding, his graduation, his career—he didn't know what any of it would look like anymore. You're just laying staring at the hospital roof with your thoughts and, and a couple of buddies around trying to keep you cheered up and not make you laugh too much because it hurts to laugh. After extensive prognosis, MRIs and CAT scans, they found five cracked vertebrae, but all of the fractures were, were stable. So my vertebrae were intact. And um, when they came in and, and said, hey, you're, you know, you can you can get up. <laughs> I was like, it was like Lazarus. Back from the dead, uh, I could get up and walk around. So I, I remember that being a very emotional moment for me. You know, I could get back on my feet. Not something I, you know, expected that day. And the doctors, you know, the big thing for them was they just couldn't believe that my back was able to absorb that much shock to crack five vertebrae. That the spine never buckled, you know, or there's never any pieces or, or further damage to the spine itself. And even even more miraculously, that there was nothing in the lower extremities, you know, absorbed that much force on my spine. And yet nothing, nothing snapped in the, in the hips or legs or anywhere else. 
you know, it's, it's clear to me, but for anyone who would, I would say, you know, the skeptics out there who, who would question, that's kind of the evidence that I would purport to say. It's pretty hard to explain how all that, all that could happen without some divine intervention. James Bush isn't the first to survive a lawn fall. In 2006, New Zealander Michael Holmes's parachutes had the same malfunction. The landing onto a six-foot bush collapsed his right lung and shattered his left ankle. He spent days in the hospital, pumped full of morphine and swollen to twice his normal size. In 1997, Carol Murray Rodriguez's parachute collapsed during a jump near Bradford, Ontario. She hit the ground at 55 miles an hour. Her right femur broke and ripped through her leg. She also broke her pelvis, chipped some vertebrae, broke ribs, and punctured a lung. She lived, with the help of 25 surgeries. Bush's old teammate at the academy, Mick Boeing, fell 50 feet when his canopy caught some turbulence coming off a nearby building and collapsed. He had an L4 burst fracture. Here's Boeing. So essentially what that means is that that vertebra had burst into thousands of pieces. And if you looked at an x-ray, it literally looked like I didn't have a vertebra where there should have been one. It's just like it was missing. Boeing spent almost a week in the hospital and had to have his spine pieced back together in a 12-hour surgery. He was still at home recovering when he heard about Bush's fall. Bush, on the other hand, plummeted 6,000 feet in near freefall, landed on asphalt, and walked out of the hospital the same day. He was injured, of course. Although there was no fractures or nervous system damage or things like that, I was, you know, purple head to toe, um, like the worst bruising on my torso that you could that you can imagine, and swelling for you know for days. I'm an inch and a half shorter than I used to be. So if, if you look at my height on on the uh, you know my physical when I entered the academy, I was five eleven, and now I'm five nine and a half. But other than that, you know, by the grace of God, no, no other real lasting effects. Bush eventually got a waiver from the Commandant at the Air Force Academy and graduated with his class. But his injury still disqualified him from ever flying fighters. He spent six months in a brace and a year in rehab. Did a lot of yoga, actually. Felt great. Eight months after his jump, he ran a half marathon. I was trying to build my case because I knew it was going to be a struggle with the Air Force to, to get my pilot qualification back. But he did. I ended up getting an exceptional policy from the chief of staff of the Air Force, which is something that almost never happens, to, uh, to go to pilot training and to become an Air Force pilot. And I was able to do that for, for 22 years. He went on to fly fighters. He deployed to Iraq, Guam, Poland, and Turkey. Pulling 9Gs in an F-16, something that, that gives folks back and neck problems. Uh, as a guy with, with a, you know, previously broken back, you know, that's, that's no small miracle and blessing to be able to have that, that experience. He married Anella. They have two daughters. And after he retired, he became a commercial pilot. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just thankful for my whole life. You know, I'm thankful for, for all the things, um, the trials, the good times, the bad times, you know, the, um, everything you go through. It's, it, it's what makes people who they are. It's what makes me who I am. It's what makes you who you are. Sometimes you can see the problems coming from a long way off. What you can't see is how God is going to work.
This single take was reported and written by Abby Churchill. Season two of Double Take is on the way. Follow us on your favorite podcast app so you'll get the next full season and all our single takes as soon as the episodes come out. And send us a note, doubletake at wng.org. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Les Sillers. We'll see you next time.